Love and Law showcases amazing lawyers globally who are bringing their own style of love into legal practice. Where there is love, there cannot be fear. Welcome to our show. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Love and Law. My name is Virginia Warren. I'm a legal conflict alchemist and the co-founder of the organisation called Lawyers for Love. At Lawyers for Love, we see the legal system in its present form uses fear-based techniques to solve problems. It says, love thy neighbour, else we'll punish you. It acts as if it's your parent. Lawyers for Love say to solve a problem, you need to shift to a higher level of consciousness than was used to create the conflict. That, conflict, that consciousness is based in love. Love says, love thy neighbour, and if you can't, we'll show you how. It's more of a self-regulating system. This is what we call love as of the essence consciousness or Leotech for short. In these live broadcasts, we're showcasing amazing lawyers globally who are bringing their own unique style of love into legal practice. And today it's my great pleasure to speak with the inspirational Marguerite Picard. Marguerite says her journey into law started from a, a place of complete naivety and with no family history or connections to the law. She considers that served her well as she had no preconceptions, no attachment to income or status. She just wanted an interesting life, which she says it's delivered. Marguerite is now co-founder of Malka, who sees her job as a lawyer differently from mo the way most of the profession sees its job. She's been doing this work for more than three decades now, and as a legacy of that, her aim these days is to be a facilitator and peacemaker. She made the decision to team up with psychologists and financial planners to help separating couples reach agreements because she thinks that's the best way to approach divorce and separation. Marguerite's an accredited family law specialist, collaborative practitioner, mediator, arbitrator and collaborative trainer. During her lawyer life, she's worked in criminal law, property and commercial, wills and estates, before specialising in family law some 20 years ago. She says all of this has been incredibly interesting and has added to the sum of the lawyer she is today. Marguerite explains that she brings her version of love into law by working right away from the bear pit of the court. And by that, by that she means the bear pit of adversarial negotiations that threaten to drop people into the actual bear pit. I love that. She says she knows it's a place some people need, but she says she doesn't need to go there herself. She's encouraging as many people as possible to see that they don't either. Now, welcome, welcome, Marguerite. So wonderful to speak to you on the broadcast here today. And as I ask all my, um, my guests, I want to know firstly how you got into law. Why did you make that decision? Uh, you, said, you said you had no connection at all, so probably no preconceived idea. So tell us the story. Well, I came from a small country town and career options for women or girls, as I was then, I suppose, were never discussed in terms of anything very interesting to me and we kind of got streamed into nursing, teaching or secretarial work and I didn't want to do any of those things and so law seemed like an attractive option. I was interested in advocacy and I was interested in social justice but when I say I came to it from a place of naivety, I'm very serious about that because when I got to university and we started reading statutes, I wondered what on earth I was being asked to read statutes for. I, you know, so I was seriously naive. And uh, as I said, I think that that has served me well because I definitely came to law with no preconceptions. So I was able to sort of feel my way to the things that attracted me for no other reason than because it made sense to me. 
Yeah, okay, that's great. So, yeah, you made it made sense you went through law school and then you got a job as a lawyer somewhere and you progressed that way. You've, you've had a lot of experience in different um, avenues. So tell us a bit about that. So my first job was in criminal law and in some ways I suppose it was an accident but it was also the most high-profile area of law in my limited life experience at the time. And so that was a job that involved advocacy. We worked for a lot of people as criminal lawyers do who'd come from all sorts of walks of life but lots of low socioeconomic and association with drug and alcohol misuse etc um, and I really loved that I loved my clients I felt that you could really make a change for people and on reflection I suppose a lot of that was actually by listening to their story which for many people in that system who'd encountered the the justice system as youths and found themselves in the cells quite regularly on a Saturday or a Monday morning, um, that wasn't something that they'd experienced, that respect of somebody who was genuinely curious and interested in their background and how they'd gotten to where they were. Not that that played out in the way you advocated for people, but it was a different era. And I think that I was fortunate that I worked mostly in what in Victoria is the magistrate's court, so the district courts. And we often had very kind and benevolent magistrates in those days who were prepared to listen a bit more. I think that changed uh, over time and now the system is much more Americanized and strict and, you know, we have sentencing laws that have changed, I think, without due recognition actually to what brought people to the justice system in the first place. So I'm glad I don't work in that system anymore. Yeah, I, I found that with a lot of lawyers I'm talking to in criminal law, and they're trying to bring it back around to what you what you said, is bringing uh, the time in to actually sit and listen to someone because you know Freud said listening is healing. Just just hearing somebody and their story because when they can articulate their own story, sometimes they heal themselves by just listening to who they are and someone is holding the space for that. And I, yeah, I think I don't know why we lost that connection. In humanity, we got rushed and and process people, get them through the systems rather than remembering these are people that just need our assistance and guidance. So you went to you were in criminal law and then you, you ended up in family law. So you've been in family law for twenty years, and so you've stayed in that space. And you've said you said this bear pit idea. I love this. Tell me how the bear pit um, terminology came for you. Well, that's really what it feels like in the court system, and. And I suppose that's a reflection of what I came to feel, that when people came to see me and I thought of my role as being a problem solver and then you were opposed to the other lawyer, you know, it was the other side and the other party. And so that division, and, and I think one of the problems with our adversarial system when it comes to resolving disputes between people, whether they're couples or whether they're any other individual in dispute, you know, hiding behind corporations or whatever it is, what we do is we polarise people, we put them as far apart as we can in order to kind of analyse the problem in some ways but to say what are your distinguishing arguments here, how are you going to win this? And then having pushed people apart, we now have mandatory pre-mediation and pre-action procedures that are supposed to bring them back together but we've done the pushing apart in the most destructive way possible through narrow legal arguments, and then we try to bring them back together with something that has a bit more humanity in it, but we don't bolster that with the right skills and specialty. We don't bring the social scientists into that system 
And so I think it's futile and, and damaging. And so when you go to court, I think the experience for the person whose case it is is really alienating there outside of what's happening for themselves. The lawyers are very focused on their own performance in some way because that's what you're going to be criticised for or lauded for. That's how you're actually going to win for your client. And we're speaking a foreign language about evidence and arguments and you can't prepare your client for everything that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, it's it's a terribly distressing thing to stand in a witness box and be pulled apart by another person. Um, so, you know, it is a bear pit and there's no aim at that point to resolve. That is not what you're there for by that stage. You, you truly are there to pair it, tear each other apart. And when we look at those perspectives, the win-lose model, you can, mm. you can argue either side, and that's what makes it a farce is because no yes. one ever really knows the facts. The court system doesn't have the time to ever know all the facts because mm. really when we're looking at life from our own point of view, that's the only perspective we see. You cannot see the other person's point of view. And this is, and, and it's probably better, yeah, what, what do we learn out of our relationship with each other rather than, rather than I'm going to win? What are we winning? What are we winning? Yeah. Um, we're not winning children, we're not winning property because there is, no, there is nothing of the sort. And I think it distresses the lawyers as well. It really does because they find that, I, I believe, that they're coming in with a, the idea of they have to get a result. Yes. But that result is not a possibility. Really, it's not a possibility. You, you don't come away with a satisfied client at the end of the day. What have we, what have we done for the client? We've, mm. we've pulled you all apart and sat mm. you in corners with, with not what you expected uh, yeah. because there's too many players in that game. Yeah. yeah. And so you co-founded Melka and yes. you're doing this differently. So explain to us how that, how your, what are your approaches now? Okay. So Melka is an interdisciplinary collaborative practice centre or a one-stop divorce shop, if you like. So it was founded by me and my co-founders, Tricia Peters, who's a financial planner, and Tina Sinclair, who's a psychologist, back in 2009. And we'd all worked in family law or within the system one way or another for many years collectively. And we all were experiencing the same sense that there had to be a better way to go about things. And Tina was a collaborative trainer. Tricia and I had done our collaborative training. And so we got together and we started to talk about having another look at the system and how could we do things differently. So we had a couple of other terrific like-minded lawyers who worked with us and child psychologists and we just started out. We created a team for our first case and worked with our first couple and we had done our training, but in the training that Tricia and I did, it was led and created by lawyers and there wasn't the presence of a social scientist or a financial planner in the room. And so their jobs were just spoken about, but they weren't actually part of the training. And so we had to kind of reinvent or invent how it was we were going to work in a way that we could provide a safe envelope for a family. And we were thinking not only about children, defined by the law, but everybody's children, no matter how old they were. And we were talking about family systems and we were talking about protecting and really loving each of the individuals such that they weren't shredded and torn apart. Uh, we were trying to do at least no more harm. 
um, in our best cases, to provide something that was really transformative for people. And it often has been, not always, but at least you can get through without doing more damage. And I don't think you can have an adversarial negotiation, let alone an adversarial process like court, without actually doing really deep damage to the individual and the, the couple dynamic. And what we were about in the beginning when we were looking at the system, for me as a lawyer, was getting a new, a novel understanding from the psychologist or social scientist in the case about what was going on for each of the people behaviour-wise, what was happening in the dynamic. And so, as most lawyers would know, what we tended to do in my past life was label people for their behaviour. We didn't understand the behaviour, so somebody might have been described as sneaky or untrustworthy or arrogant or some pejorative label because we didn't understand why they were coming across in that way. And so for me, that was the most enormous eye-opening experience to work with a psychologist who was bringing me an understanding of the behaviour and a working theory about what was going on for that person and reminding us, I suppose, that whatever had gone on in the dynamic before, by the time they came to us, it was pretty unhealthy and dysfunctional. Um, and so a lot of kind of psychological education, I would say, was the thing that I gained enormously from early on and continuing working in this way. Yeah, no, because in law school, we're not taught any of that. And I, I still fail to understand how you can deal in law governs relationship. Yeah. how you deal in relationship without having the whole human involved in the relationship because yeah. that is who we are. We are emotional experiencing beings. We, yeah. we can't take our experience or our emotion out of it. We cannot separate any of that. And that, that is why I think it's, it's driving people apart on a sort of like a holographic level or on a fractal level because if you keep pulling it all apart, it falls apart. And then that reflects out in the ripple effect in the whole community. It's all falling apart. Yes. And my favourite line from Gandhi is that the true function of a lawyer was to unite parties, riven asunder. And Absolutely. yeah, how do we do that? How do we yeah. shift all that? Yeah, recognise we're dealing with whole humans with points of view that are valid yeah, everyone's perspective is valid. Yeah, and it's astonishing, isn't it, that we can get through law school without any study about human behaviour at all. And <laughs> this, this is an original thought of mine, but somebody pointed out to me some time ago that the one person we don't speak about ever in law school is the client. <laughs> we about the cases. And when we did first speak about the client, I think was in the ethics and professional practice section, which was all about how not to be sued by your client. So that was our first well, meeting. Don't have a conflict. Yeah, don't have a conflict. That's, that's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't act against, the, you know, a former client, all these other things to protect yourself and and that sort of thing as well. It's just that is, that yeah. is that's absolutely hilarious because, yeah, I've never yeah. thought of it like that. We, we no. don't actually speak about the people involved. They're just yeah. like a faceless a, a toy to play with. Okay, we'll move you from there to there and get that, slice that up, and that's all done. Yes. <laughs> nice name. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, that's that's really amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And so you're you've um, you're now training as a collaborative trainer as well. So you're bringing more people into this space. Do you think? Um, I know in the states, uh, collaborative law is very big, and I think because there's more people involved, so there's more people available to do that. Because with the system that you've got too, you've got yeah your uh, financial neutral and your um, so social science person. So you've got quite a quite a nice team of people around you. Is this gaining more traction in Australia? It certainly is. Um, different states have different models of practice in Victoria, basically because we started um, at Melka this work all those years ago. We have very much adopted the model of a full interdisciplinary team, and that's not the case in every state. Um, you know, people respond and work in ways that that work for them because of who they've got on the ground, but it's also very much about who trains you in the first place. And I think that's one of the things that we forget to sort of reinvent our model. And I would say the same for us. Ours has evolved over time. Um, but for example, we work with a single psychologist and there are times when I think that two psychologists in the case or two financial planners would serve the family better and sometimes we have done that um, but perhaps we need to stay on our toes all the time when we look you know we try to work in systems and processes but we've got to be flexible um, for the family. Yeah, I, I think you're so right about that is, is systems must move and flow and this is where yeah. I think legal system has fallen way behind all other systems on the planet everyone way behind because yeah. we still have a structured in this old archaic model why everything else has moved everything's so energetic you know we're like talking on these phones that can talk all over the world we're sitting here zooming now doing yes. different everything so differently yet that system has stayed put so what you're doing is absolutely moving a system forward and flowing with what people need what we all need what we connect with yeah and so I, I think it is growing in Australia and one of the things that's happened in Australia is that we have a lot of government money and a lot of conversation around mediation and I'm a mediator and a great supporter of mediation but I think we've forgotten in that conversation quite often to think about going beyond a single facilitator and think about who else might we bring into the conversation to support and help people to actually get to really deep resolutions. And I think in family law and separation space, there's a lot of wonderful work being done. In other areas of law, I think what they're finding is that the mediations are less satisfactory. Sometimes they're unravelling before people get to document their court orders because there isn't the involvement of anybody other than lawyer kind of people, you know, barristers running mediations and so on. So I think we have mediation and collaboration running in tandem. I think they're first cousins, but there's things to learn from each of those streams. And one of the things that I'm really hoping that people understand is it's not just collaborative practice as such, but the multidisciplinary aspect of it that is the real distinction from mediation. And I think that really allows families to feel cared for and to feel safe in all ways. That's right, because you know, people in the traditional system come in on a position based and you are setting yourself up for the win. Yeah, so you're finding the fault in everything else from the other person rather than looking at, oh, we're a unit. What, what are your needs from this relationship to move forward? And actually, what were, your, what were your needs during it? And I think people could also learn a lot about themselves in that and get some satisfaction about, okay, I've been through this experience. What has it shown me? How can I grow from 
this. This yeah. is another aspect that I truly believe in is that we, we're fighting for a reason and yeah. I'm reflected in this argument. So, and I am right, you are right. And this yeah. is what we don't do in the adversarial system. We say, I am right, you are wrong, let's blame you. And we're both doing that. And that's just tearing us yeah. apart that further. So I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, and the, from the multidisciplinary point of view, you've got so many other aspects in there that bring the whole community in. How are you from this point of view, this point of view, this point of view? I, mm -hmm. I really like that, yeah. And I think not in any system, including collaborative practice or mediation, do we do enough work on the end of relationships. Sometimes people want that and we do some of that in collaborative work, but often people don't want that at that time. And sometimes that's only work that individuals are going to be able to do because as a couple, people rarely come into separation at the same place on the continuum. You know, one person will be further ahead of the other one and might have done their own work and are not interested in that. But I've always thought, particularly in that the adversarial system, what a terrible shame it is that there's that one conversation that people don't get to have. And I think it's enormously difficult to think about reshaping your life and being very positive about your future when you've got that part, you know, that piece of baggage that somehow or another I think we really need to open people's eyes to the opportunity to work with that if, if that's what they want to do. Now, as I said, not everybody does, but normalising that in the system I think would be a great advantage to people. And I think when the lawyer comes from that point of view, and this is what we're teaching, comes from the point of view that you can actually exploit the opportunity um, if you're in that position to um, grow. So the catalyst, the conflict is a catalyst for your growth. Yes, it's unpleasant, but this is what humanity has been doing. We've been running from the pain. And um, this is, a, I know it's a psychological thing, but it's time mm. psychology and law actually became best friends and yes. science because mm. we, it's the same separation idea. We compartmentalizing all these ideas and saying it's all separate well, no it's all human and yeah. if we work together to say yeah. all right well how do we as a humanity evolve from from all of this how do we grow and lawyers i believe are the best place people to do this because we're we, we can see perspective we are intelligent and we are also from uh the, we're facing a conflict with our client we can see it you can see it a mile off too when you're trained how to look at, wow, you know, you, you're an angry person. Why are you not, you know, expressing that anger and how can we do that effectively? This person that you, that's bought, been brought in for you, your partner, is showing you that. You will grow from this. You know, all these beautiful things that are there. Um, it helps the lawyer also, in my opinion, because as can we are all connected. Mm. As we are helping our client evolve, we too evolve from the experience of it. Most lawyers will sit back and say, I don't want to be connected to that because I will get emotionally drawn in. Well, what I have experienced is that when you have, um, I'll call it your vibration, when your vibration is high enough, when you are in that ability to hold space for yourself, you don't actually get drawn in energetically to the client's negative energies, but you can hold the space for them and you help raise them too. You know, it's it's a beautiful different way of looking at things, seeing the connection between us all. And yeah, and, and all the modalities, the, the, the psychology, the law, the science, it's all connected. That's what I see anyway. And this is something that I've reflected a lot about and it's really how much of our role as a lawyer is as a coach. And, of course, 
I'm not suggesting that lawyers dabble in that without a lot of deep training and thought and consideration, but we always have been a supportive coach in some ways with our clients. But to actually think about redefining what our job is as a lawyer to encompass much more coaching and do that kind of training so that you can bring that aspect to people because I think they want it. And I'm not talking about helping people with psychological illness but having enough awareness to understand when you shouldn't go further. But to actually to be a coach is something that people can really be helped by in terms of shifting perspective and understanding their role in conflict um, and all of those things that you've really just uh, reflected on. And I think that it's quite difficult for us as lawyers. It's part of a paradigm shift. It's part of a change. What permission do we have? What do our clients engage us for? And we have to be really clear what we are doing in our relationship with our clients from the start so that they know what they're engaging for. But I think in many ways this feels like a betrayal of our core skills or stepping beyond our boundaries. But for me, it's one of the big changes, something that you know, I feel like I've done a lot of work on and continued to think deeply about and to get kind of edgier in, in that part of practice because I think it serves clients. Absolutely. And it serves, it's self-serving as well yeah. for the lawyer, I believe. You feel better about your job. You feel like you've actually helped someone progress. And as I said, you've enriched your own experience by engaging. And I think we all grow from that as a, as a society as well. Yeah. Because it's so archaic, sitting there just thinking we can still operate in this way. It's just beyond my comprehension nowadays, thinking how do we stay in this space? I don't understand it. Yes. Um, hard to move on. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I absolutely love love what you do. It's it's so beautiful. And I, I've seen also um, people work in collaborative spaces in your state law and they're, they're really expanding yeah. these ideas that yeah. you have. So yes. yes. And, and that's wonderful that that is expanding because it's an area that's so right for a collaborative approach. You know, you're dealing with so many deep stories, intergenerational, multi-generational, you know, when, you, when you're working with a whole family, um, with one family, that's complex. But when you're working with several families, as you often are in wills and estates, and you're working so much with history, it's definitely an area that's really right for practice and I think reimagining dispute resolution where at the moment um, starting to have approval from the Documentary Australia Foundation because we're creating a four-part series about reimagining separation so instead of tinkering around the edges we're looking at it from a human-centered design perspective and starting from scratch and saying if we as humans are faced with this problem what would we do and I can be fairly confident it won't involve a whole lot of law. I agree. <laughs> and that's, look, I mean, if I'm honest from, well, I'm, I am being honest, from the Lawyers for Love point of view, we see a world in due course where there is no such thing as law because people instinctively know right action and to respect everyone's perspective, we mightn't say, I prefer that, like I don't prefer pineapple, you prefer pineapple, for example, but I have compassion for you where you are. I see things. Now, that's a long way off, but... We instinctively know as humans what is right, but we're compelled by an internal legal system, I call it, to do follow our own rules first because we've been programmed that way. Yeah. So, and it's all energy. As far as I see, if we start approaching humanity as if we are energetic beings, we see things, 
it has to be dealt with differently. Law is a closed system, and in closed systems, you get increased entropy, and that, it's science. It's just basic science, and it doesn't serve the human. So mm -hmm. if we shift it to more open systems where we're self-regulating, but we need guidance. We need guidance in self-regulation. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think the new generation of lawyer will come through as the guide and say, look, here we, this is how we do it, people. Yes. <laughs> and it's so much more enriching. It's a, there are yeah. some beautiful family lawyers out there that are working in this way now, and I'm so thrilled to have met, meeting all these beautiful humans. And I, I love the way it's all going. I really do. So that's very exciting for you, this uh, documentary. So we get to see that in due course, I imagine. In due course. It's probably a couple of years' work, uh, work uh, to okay. get there. Um, but we do have the other uh, Family is Family documentary, which is talking to lawyers, psychologists, financial planners, divorce coaches about working together as a team, you know, which, of course, is its own system and has to function well to be able to help people whose own system is not functioning well. And I think what you say about the, the change to the way we resolve disputes is going to rely on people having an awareness of their own functionality and dysfunction, broken dynamics. So it's a lot of work and it's probably some time away, but it's it's going to be this change to the system is going to involve moving lawyers, as we define lawyers at the moment, out of the centre of the action. So lawyers have to change, the system has to change, and our perception of what we're doing and what our goal is has to change, and it will. And I really love what you're doing, and it's it's well and truly the start of these conversations about difference. Yeah, that's it. We need to stop being parented um, mm. and start self-parenting. Simple as that, as far as I can see. The law is still a parent and we yeah. don't need parenting people. <laughs> Time to actually emotionally grow up. But, you know, th this is all this is all the conversation and it's beautiful and if we're talking about it, it's happening. So this is great. I so appreciate you coming on the program today, Marguerite. If there's one tip you can give for any lawyer out there, and this is the reason we're doing this broadcast is to show other lawyers that it's safe to actually come out, speak your mind. How do you feel about the system? What would you like to see? Are you doing something differently? Is there one tip that you could give any other lawyer looking to work in more in this space? Yeah, I'd say be confident about making change, that if you think it's a good idea, if it's achievable, it probably is. So be bold. Um, about change, have confidence, think about your own values and even if the goal seems impossible, look at it as a five or ten year goal and then of course shrink it right back um, so that you can work in a way that fits because otherwise you don't have a long life in law. That's, a, that's such a good tip. That really is such a good tip. Well, thank you so much for being on the program today, Marguerite. Really appreciate your point of view and hope um, I absolutely know that others will be encouraged by what you've just said today. Uh, if you're a lawyer who brings love into your into law in your own unique way, we'd love to hear from you and have you on the program. So thank you so much again, Marguerite, and we will see you all again. Thanks, Virginia.